Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, gang. This week's guest is Angelo Moore from Fishbone. And we discussed the song The Pendulum Swings from Angelo's band Angelo Moore and the Brand New Step. Angelo discussed uh, in depth the imagery that halos and nooses bring to the song. Um, he also talked about racism uh, as well as his own experiences with that while growing up. Angelo talked about the dichotomy of songs with um, uh, deep and serious meanings that at the same time make you want to get up and dance. Angelo shared what the first song he ever wrote was, which was which really surprising to me. It was uh, Fishbone's Mon Pa, which is such a sophisticated song to be uh, the first song you wrote. Angelo talked about how he writes from personal experience and how he got into punk rock. Angelo also talked about how when the music started at Fishbone shows, everyone partied together. The music would calm the savage beast. And how music is a solution to the world's problems. And a little funny aside, Angelo thought it was going to be a, a video interview, so he got himself looking all spiffy, only to find out it was an audio interview. For all this and much more, stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm up. Uh, I'm up and I'm ready to rock. You're up and well, not only are you ready to rock, but you know, Angelo thought we were going to do this. Uh, God love you on on video this morning. So he yeah. got in the shower and got. I'm sure you got your bow tie on. You're you're looking dapper right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I usually got on my bow tie, man. But what, actually, what I got on now is like. A dark blue African style two piece. Uh, I got on a kufi. I got on, and I got on a necklace, like a five, five white rings with a, with a black five white balls with a black ring around each ball, like a two tone, two tone five ball necklace, man. Well, so can, can can you have someone take a picture of what you look like right now, so I can put it in the ad before we run run your uh, run this on the podcast, please? On, Since it, you went it. through the trouble, I'm gonna do it. Hold on, let me take a picture <laughs> of this real quick. <laughs> With my photo booth. Because, Angela, I'm sitting here in a pair of shorts, a T-shirt, and a baseball cap. I, I look like I'm getting ready to work at the fucking car wash. Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor oh. guy gets up, gets in the shower. I mean, you're you're out you're out in the West Coast, so it's still morning time for you. And and, and here I'm going to throw you an audio interview. What what what's going on with that? Well, man? I thought we was doing I thought we was doing uh, Zoom, but uh, my mistake, man. You know, it's been pretty busy over here. Hold on, I'm gonna take a picture of myself. All right, Angel's gonna get a picture here, and then we're gonna we're gonna hop, we're gonna hop right into this thing. <laughs> Bam! I heard the camera go. It went to click right there. Okay. 
And so now, if you want me to send this to you, no, I just you want me to send this to you like afterward, right? Yeah, afterwards, afterwards. Yeah, this is this isn't going to run for a few weeks. So, oh, okay, right on. All right, cool. So, um, so yeah, so Angela, you're on the East Coast right now, right? Yes, yeah, I'm I'm on the East Coast. I'm I'm over. Uh, I actually live in in Tennessee, so I'm on the East Coast. And you're oh. you're in you're in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, I'm in L.A., man, Lost Assholes, California. Gotcha, buddy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, as my listeners know, every week my guest uh, picks a, a song, a defining song of their career that they would uh, love to discuss. And, and Angelo, uh, you know, we all know and love you from uh, obviously from Fishbone. Uh, Angelo has another band uh, called Angelo Moore and the Brand New Step. And, and uh, New Step, that's right. This song uh, is called The Pendulum Swings. Oh, so, yeah. uh, if you could kind of set this one up, uh, out of all the songs from your storied career, uh, why did you pick uh, th- this song to talk about today? Pendulum Swings, man, is is what the world is going through right now. The pendulum is swinging from a halo to a noose. A halo turned upside down is a noose. Halos are on. Halos are on the top of. Angels' heads, nooses are around people's necks. They hang and they kill people. As a matter of fact, man, I just you know thinking about um, thinking about the recent hangings. Not only have black people been getting killed, shot by white policemen, and um, you know I I wish I could say it, it was an equal color of murder going on around but every time i look at the news or see it on a camera it's a black man getting killed by a white man or white policeman right so hence black lives matter and hence we have george floyd back in the day like 400 years ago right there was black slavery unfortunately before that it was american indian genocide by the white man then on up through the 50s, it got a little bit lighter, but it was still fucked up with a lot of racism, right? You had boycotts and everything with Malcolm X, the Ku Klux Klan, and 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 uh, and, and um, damn, I almost said George Clinton, uh, Martin <laughs> King. Then around the 60s and the 70s, it was the peace and love era, right? And then around the 80s. That's okay. So we gone. We went. We went. We done gone through the baby boomer era, Generation X, and then we have um, the millennials. I think I'm missing a, a term for the next era after Generation X, but the racism kind of lightened up, right? Then, once the cell phones came into the picture, we were able to see what what is going on we were able to actually catch the injustice that's going on on camera we were actually able to catch the pendulum swinging from a halo which seemed to be around the 70s 60s and 70s which was the free love era right swinging from a halo which is an angelic period of time free love back toward a noose so now we're in the era where uh, white privilege and white supremacy seem to be on the rise, which isn't good for anybody. And black and brown people 
which have always been at the bottom of the social totem pole, are are being pushed below the social totem pole. And ever since Trump got in the office, right, Trump has has certifiably, he has certified the halo that is now turned into a noose. So the the lyrics to the chorus go, halos to nooses. Because he says he wants America to be great again, right? Well, America being great again while Trump is in office are black people getting killed and murdered by white policemen, shot and hung, literally hung. That's even further back in the racist history, right? So that being said, the chorus goes, halos to nooses, turning back the clock. Regressing back to the dark ages, rubbing sticks and rocks. Halos to nooses is progress reversed. We'll revolt. We'll protest against the alt-right convert. Every day, every night, put your hands together and say we'll make it right. If love is the answer and hate is the loser, let the loser disappear and let love be the light. Right. And this this, this song was written uh, not today, which is, you know, it's, it's very relevant for, for everything that's going on. Everything you just you just discussed. Uh, yeah. This song was this song was written in, in 2016, correct? Yep. Yeah. So, well, oh, it was released then. When was it? When, when did you write it? I probably wrote it in 20, if it was released in 2016, I probably wrote it a year before that. So it was probably written in 2015. Okay. Okay. So this is even before, uh, see 20, yeah, even before Trump was in office that you wrote this song. So, I mean, you know, and obviously in, injustices have been happening as you pointed out for, 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 for some time. And, uh, uh, you know, is this one of the more, uh, outspoken songs of, of this that you, that you feel you've, you've written in your career? Man, I have many outspoken songs against against uh against racism and again and against uh the dark sides of our government which are which are the majority of them mm-hmm. and uh and our society because we got a lot of dark parts of our society now you know lucky for us we have been able we've been able to be a part of uh, a lot of the under underground subculture, which is music, underground music, alternative music, ska, punk, reggae, funk, jazz, where everybody of all different colors sure. come together and join together and rejoice together as one, right? And uh, I like to keep myself surrounded in that. I like to keep myself surrounded in, by the roots in the underground culture because that's the one that's, that has has embraced me the most. I remember I saw you guys on the Warp tour a couple of times. Oh, of course, yeah. And well, we 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 toured with Fishbone uh, back in yeah. 2013. We did we did some shows together. But you know, and obviously, I'm familiar with your catalog and and but these lyrics in particular are very just to the point. We know what you're saying, but it it it's amazing too because 
this particular song, and it's funny, we, we do this a lot from the world that we come from, uh, uh, punk and ska, and, and, and uh, you, you tend to write uh, these very, very danceable, happy songs with the horn lines, and it just has this this crazy, serious lyric uh, 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 behind it. And that's that's the first thing I noticed about about this song. And uh, oh, 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 you know what else? Okay, so I know I must have written this when Trump got into office because once Obama's term was over, I mean, to, to me, like, Obama was like the saving grace, right? And then when Halo got, when, uh, when, when Trump got into office, it was like the angel being replaced by the devil. It was like a halo being replaced by a noose. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that, that's what I was saying. Like in contrast to the lyrics, I mean, this this song makes you want to party, and then you're listening to the lyrics, going, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, man. And you know, it's always good to be able to put the yin and the yang together. I guess sure. that's what, that's what uh, the solution is. The lyrics, the mess, the 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 solution is the the solution is the music because the music is happy. You can dance to it. You know, and that's the solution because you want to be able to set yourself free with the music. But the lyrics are uh, the informative educational part. You know, I've always been saying lately that the lyrics are the major threat and the music is the minor threat. <laughs> so the major threat with the lyrics, man, you have like you can you can you can say anything you want with lyrics and speech. You've had you've had rulers throughout the ages that can that can, uh, with their speech and their words, make war happen, make peace and utopias happen, build cities, direct people to build buildings, run companies with their words, right? Uh, but with music, and so that's the major, that's the major threat. I call it the major threat, not necessarily a threat. I like to use the word threat because it's, you know, it sounds, you know. <laughs> threat is cool you know the major threat but then the minor threat is the music and the minor threat is, which is the music that moves people right and music it being a frequency like for instance if you put a plate of a pan of water on top of a speaker and you turn on whatever music it is it creates a shape in that water it moves that water so just think about what we do as musicians when we play music at the shows and it moves the people and what are people made of majority of water. Uh -huh. So when you have those two elements working together, man, you have one, uh, you have one dynamic force. You got an unformidable force, man, of music, which moves people physically and lyrics, which which moves and 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 it moves and it nourishes the mind. It right. teaches the mind's intelligible to the, to the mind. Now this this song when I listen to it and please don't take this the wrong way but this okay. I mean you're Angela Moore you, you you sound like you sound I've been a fan for forever. Uh but this song almost feels like it could have fit into to maybe some of the later later Fishbone uh, uh records the the sound itself and and definitely the the lyrical content. I mean the the, the the you know what 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 you're what you're saying um yeah. how do you know 
when you're writing what's going to be a brand new step song, an Angelo Moore solo song, Dr. Mad Vibe, uh, or a Fishbone song? Do you kind of know right when you write it or, or do you like to present it to the bands or how, how does that process work? Well, when I'm working with when I'm working with Fishbone, uh, I usually give Fishbone the first choice of whatever it is, right? Of whatever okay. song it is. And then if it doesn't if it doesn't make the fishbone grade, then I usually save it for another project that I have. Uh-huh. But um when I was working with the brand new step, I would go from Los Angeles up to San Francisco and work with the brand new step. And uh when we would have our writing sessions, I would just come up with a lot of this stuff, man. I mean, you know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about it, so I just come up with it. And and the brand new step, when I was working with the brand new step, they were able to catch me when all of this came out of my head from just what was seeing what's going on in our society. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I could see this fitting somewhere between truth and soul reality in my surroundings. I mean, it's very much, uh, what you do, you know, and, uh, I yeah. still can't get over when I, when you told me about this song, when I went and listened to it, I've just, I'm, I'm grooving along to it. I'm listening. I'm like, man, this is so upbeat and just happy and danceable. And then I start zoning in on the lyrics. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's that major threat, minor, <laughs> minor threat you're speaking of. Yeah, man. The big threat, you know, cause a lot of the powers that be, I'm sure that they would rather not have me or people like me reveal what they're doing. But how can you not reveal it, especially if your eyes and ears and heart are open and receptive to what's going on in your world? Right. So that's, I mean, that's that's how it came out. It came out just like that. Plus, I had to make sure I put the lyrics in the video, man. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how how did you get the uh, the brand new step together? Are these are these folks you've known for for some time, or was this a brand new band uh, that that you 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 put together with brand brand new people? Yeah, it's a brand new band I put together with with brand new people. Man, uh, provide me a brand new step. So let me tell you how it all started. So it was during a Fishbone premiere of Everyday Sunshine, and uh, these guys, Chris Jensen. And Jim Greer, they were at the Fishbone premiere for Everyday Sunshine up in San Francisco. And during the questionnaire, after the questionnaire, the, the questionnaire, Chris Jensen came up to me and said, hey, man, you want to do a music project with me? And I was like, yeah, I'll try anything once. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we made a date to get together. And that's where it started. And we started out with a song called A Brand New Step. Gotcha. And so, yeah, man. And so these guys are really on it. They're really enthusiastic. We work together really good. And for those of you uh, listeners that don't know, uh, The Everyday Sunshine, that was the Fishbone documentary, uh, yes. which, uh, which was fantastic. And that came out, what, 2014, 2015? Mm. Yes, yeah, earlier than that. Like that. Probably earlier than that, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, check check that out. It's a it's a really cool doc, <laughs> really informative. Yeah, um, it's really informative. It talks about the the life and times of Fishbone uh, from the perspective of Chris and Liv. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. 
You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Right. And, and so, um, if you could take us back now to when you were an early writer, uh, songwriter and your, your first songs that you were writing, actually, do you remember the first song that you wrote and what it was called? (laughs) Oh my God. Ma and Pa. Was it? I think Ma and Pa, alcoholic was another one. Okay, and Alcoholics about is, is is about your uncle, which that was an, I I knew that was an early song you wrote, but that didn't come out till what Ch- Chim Chim that ninety three. Alcoholic man, Alcoholic came out way before Chim Chim. Did it? Okay, we, we just re released it on Chim Chim. That's right, you re released it. Yeah, no, that was that was one of the earlier tunes. Um, yeah. So, Mon Pa, that was one of the first songs you wrote. Mon Pa was one of the first songs I wrote. And I wrote that song when I was when I was in high school. That's amazing because that song just seems so sophisticated for somebody at, at, at a high school age to write. I mean, I, I when you giggled, I honestly thought you were going to say, oh, yeah, the first song I wrote was, you know, my my shop teacher sucks or something. You know, all the, all the first songs, we write, <laughs> all, all the you know, all the, all the first songs we write as kids joking around. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and for you to say Ma and Pa is, is shocking. Alcoholic and Ma and Pa, those were poems first, man. And I wrote those. I would recite those poems over, over the top of like, like, like a Bad Brains reggae dub, like the first Bad Brains tape banned in DC, uh-huh. and you know they got like they got the punk rock and reggae on there. So when the reggae dub song would come around, I'm like, oh, this sounds cool enough for me to, to recite some poetry over this. So I recited Ma and Pa over, uh, Ja Calling. Wow. And then alcoholic. Uh, I wrote about I wrote that about my uncle when he was alive, and um, that was a poem too, right? You know, and then "Alcoholic" was one of the first songs that Fishbone <laughs> put out before we even recorded anything. Man, that was like that was like on the first cassette tape, right along with "Party at Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. Before before it actually before it actually got signed. See, I keep forgetting that the public only hears what the record company puts out. Right. Yeah. But Which, there's music that, that happens a lot. That. <laughs> yeah. There's music before that, man. There's like a cassette tape before that. So, you know, I, I, I think I kind of know the answer to some of this question. Um, yeah. You know, do you write, uh, obviously with, with, with pendulum swings, that's, that's, that, that has current events written all over it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, 
do you tend to write from personal experience, current events or, or fictional events? Like have you ever like just wrote a song that was a made up story? I'm going to write a song about boy meets girl and they live happily ever after. Or what, what do you tend oh, to, tend to write boy meets girl. Wow. <laughs> Right? Who is that by? <laughs> Who, what band is that by? Boy, I'm not sure, but I know the song. <laughs> you Boy stumped me. Meets girl. Wow. You know that song? You know, I know you know that song. I do know the song, yeah, but I, I'm, and I'm completely blanking on it. <laughs> and once I figure it out, I will put the excerpt in the clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so as far as like how I write, man, I mean... I mainly write from life experiences, but sometimes I take the artistic license to twist it up, throw some extras in there, you know, just to make it a little more flowery or a little more thorny or fiery or a little more icy or, you know, icy than, than what it really is sometimes. And I think that's as far as I go, as far as like making something up that's completely fantasy. Yeah. And, and, and people that do that amaze me on a songwriting level, because anytime I try to do that, it just comes off as so forced and corny. I have to write about what I feel. And even then, when I write about what I feel, I don't fashion myself a lyricist, you know, I'm more of a a songwriting and melody guy, but, uh, you know, that's, that is a a true gift that those that could create a song would be like, yeah, you know, Johnny met Susie and they went along here and they did this and they did that. And, And you're like, whoa. Like, and they made it actually sound the, the, the trick is making it sound believable <laughs> to the listener and making it sound believable. Right. Yeah. That's a hard one for me too, man. Right. That That's a hard one for me. Um, and there's times that I'm there's thinking, times I've, like, I'm going through my mind and I'm thinking like, have I written any songs that were based purely on fantasy and nothing's coming up right now? No, because looking back on your catalog, I'm thinking of songs like, you know, like, like even party of ground zero, like that doesn't sound like it was made up, uh, you know, uh, sunless Saturday, everyday sunshine, uh, uh, mon pa, you know, which I still can't believe that was the first song you wrote. Cause again, for, to, to be a, a teenager writing that, that song's just, I don't know. I just use the word sophisticated. Uh, Man, I, that, I, that I, was I wasn't, I wasn't writing songs like that when I was 16. <laughs> well, you know, that's when my, that's when my parents were going through a divorce. Oh man. Yeah. And so they were going through a divorce and I'd hear him fighting downstairs. And uh, I just, I just, you know, the phrase came up in my mind, Ma and Paul, what the hell's wrong with y'all? But what, again, what a danceable, just funky kick ass song that you look out and how many thousands yeah. of people did you see losing their minds dancing to that song? Yeah. And the underlying lyric is this kid crying out in pain from his bedroom that his mom and dad are fighting. I mean, yeah. that's that's that yin and yang of music that that is that I love and why I love talking about songwriting because it's so fascinating, you know. Yeah. And, and same right. thing, same thing with Pendulum Swings. It's like if you put any other happy lyric to this, you'd be like, you know, you would just think of it as this happy song. But if you really, you know, deconstruct the lyrics and start listening to the message, it's like, well, this isn't that happy of a song. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you know, you can't you can't just give people problems and destitute and blues all the time. Mm-hmm. You gotta give them a solution, and the solution is danceable music. Mm-hmm. The solution is danceable music. 
music to where you can release your inhibitions and release your aggressions too and let loose. So, you know, the song has a double, it has a double purpose. You can, you can live it up during the song and you can learn from the song too. Right. Well, I mean, your musical palette, I mean, you were into everything from punk to jazz to dance to how did you, uh, I mean, was it from being in Southern California? Was it your parents? How did you have such a potpourri of, of musical influence? Well, okay. So, uh, when I was growing up, my dad, my dad played saxophone with Count Basie for a while. And my mom was an English teacher. So, and my, my mother was Montgomery, Alabama. My dad was from Youngstown, Ohio, man. So they had like a really wide variety of music in the house. Lots of jazz, lots of R&B, lots of blues. And later on down the line, my dad would start to bring around the doors and Led Zeppelin and Billy Joel and, uh, and stuff like that, you know, and right. then, um, I mean, what'd your what'd your parents think when you were bringing home Minor Threat and Bad Brains records? Um, it seems like my dad really didn't notice it. <laughs> Got that one past you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but my mom noticed it, and my mom didn't like it. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, especially at that time, I mean, the early oh, she was highly religious too. Okay. Okay. Which doesn't, wouldn't help with that. <laughs> that, don't help, that didn't help either. Right. So mom was a Jehovah witness. She still is. Okay. Okay. She, um, you know, moms can tolerate a lot of the funkadelic and James Brown and the barricades and, and the whole R and B funk scene that I was into. Sure. But when I started going to Hollywood, hanging out in Hollywood and a lot of the clubs going to a lot of the clubs, I would end up, hanging out in the punk scene. I wasn't necessarily in it, but I would hang out around it because I because I knew it was electric and it was fascinating. Yeah, I was gonna say what what drew what drew you to that, you know, because uh, you know, I, I've I have a, a number of black friends that have got into punk rock and I've and I've asked them that because it was dangerous. The shows were dangerous in the eighties. You had lots of skinheads. There was a lot of racial division, but the, yet there was this racial unity that went along with being a punk rocker. So, what did you? What What was the allure for you? Well, I'll tell you, man. It's funny every time I explain this one. So, you know, I grew up in the valley, right? So my my parents moved from L.A. into a predominantly white neighborhood. Hence, we were flies in a buttermilk, right? And this was around nineteen seventy nine, and I experienced a little racism off and on walking from the home to school or catching the bus from the valley into LA and then back from LA into the valley. When I had to walk home from the bus stop to home, man, I remember, I remember these rednecks in a pickup truck ended up chasing me into this Vons uh, walking home. And so I would have to deal with, with racist bullshit every once in a while. I had white friends, I had black friends, but I had mostly white friends in the valley, which was, which was, you know, it was, it was cool. But then the white, but the certain white people that didn't like me because I was black, I was like, man, this is really confusing because I got my white friends over here, but some of these white people don't like me. And so it was, 
it became difficult to differentiate after a while. So yeah, who do you trust? Who do I trust? Right. So I had I had certain white people I could trust, certain white people I couldn't trust. I could trust black people because when I would go home, that's and I'd go in, inside the door at home, I'd see all black. Right. I go outside, I see all white. I had a couple of white friends, some white friends out there. When I would go into LA, uh, I had to deal with some of the Crips trying to beat me up at the bus stop because, you know, a black guy in the valley dressing like I did, had my little red afro and my bell bottom jeans. They called me an Oreo, you know. Right. Because I wasn't quite talking like I wasn't quite talking like ghetto or in the hood. I was talking a little I was talking a little valley like I had dude bra in my language. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So right. You know, that type of shit was going on. And so but it got to a point, man, to where I was I was starting to hate white people, regardless of my white friends. I hated the racist ones. So when I would go into Hollywood and I would be hanging around the punk scene and the you know the the white people that were like the upper echelon pop culture or Beverly Hills or Century City, I didn't really find any love from them. But I found I got love from a lot of the punks and a lot of the underground subculture because that's where everybody was mixed up. Everybody hated rich white people equally. And so I remember a lot of the times getting into the mosh pit, man, it was a perfect opportunity for me to try to beat up as many white people as I could. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you were, I mean, that's being from the, being from the Valley. I mean, it was like, and, and it wasn't like it was self-imposed, but it was kind of like an identity crisis. I mean, here you are, you're, you're, you're like, Hell like, an identity crisis. Oh my God. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, like here you are, you're, you're talking like you're from the Valley. You're dressing in your own style. Man, I used to put, Oh no. Oh, Oh shit. I remember I used to put skin lightener, skin tone lightener on my skin to lighten my skin because I wanted to be more like my white friends. I remember pressing my hair with a pressing comb because I wanted to fit in more with white society. So things like that, those little inklings of subliminal self-hatred are not being satisfied with who I was. As a black man or a black boy at the time, those type of things, that confusion going on, it's just like, man, that's some confusing ass shit. Right. Well, I mean, and if you just look at, especially if you go back and and pull up some old YouTube videos of you guys, I mean, you can feel, I mean, you guys were a party band, but you can feel everything you're talking about. It just makes so much. So you can feel that aggression, you know, everything you were just saying, it's like, you know, the, your shows were explosive. I mean, I remember the first time I saw you and I, I kind of I, I say late to the party. I mean, I, I'm a little little younger than you, but I saw you in 91 um, and I'll never forget you running off stage during a sax solo and stage, <coughs> stage diving with your sax. And I was like, I was blown away. I'm like, <laughs> like, I've, I, I had never seen anybody do that before. I was just like, this guy's crazy. I had my saxophone look when I came back on the stage with <laughs> <laughs> From what I remember, you did you didn't miss a note, man. You didn't miss a note. Um, 
<laughs> and that was in Gain- that was in Gainesville, Florida, many many moons ago. And uh, Gainesville, man, Florida. We used to have some good times in Florida, man. And you know, even even in Miami, and I think it was at the Cameo Theater. Yeah, the Cameo. Yep. Man, Cameo Theater had skinheads coming to that show. Yep. And I remember once them skinheads got past the door and the music started, everybody partied together. Everybody partied together, man. And once the show was over and motherfuckers was outside, that's when the fights would break out here and there. Mm -hmm. But I just remember that the music would calm the savage beast. All of the racism, all the color disappeared. And everybody partied together, man. That's That's the beautiful thing about music, man. Music brings people together it always music has. is the saving grace mm-hmm. that's why it's so important man that's why it is so important to have music to have music be in you know in in the picture any and everywhere man music music every day i, I released this song with the with the salads called music every day the salads is that another project salads man and they're from canada right and so and they were on the warp tour at one point and so i recorded a song with those guys called music every day okay Yep, and so and I'm just singing about when I wake up in the morning with a song on my brain, uh, it relieves the pain. I, I I I listen and I make music every day. When I when I'm sleeping, I dream it. When I wake up, I'm playing it and making it, writing lyrics to it and everything, man. Because music is the answer, dude. Music is the solution to the world's problems, especially right. if you got the right kind of lyrics behind it. Well, I've, you know, I've always maintained and, and I, I love my parents and my family, but my yeah. parents, my, my parents are human and my, you know, my, my family uh, and I've let them down. They've let me down. You know, they say, uh, you know, animals are, are unconditional love. Well, I don't know. My, my, my dog shit in the floor or on my brand new, chewed up my brand new phone and I haven't liked my dog very much, but, <laughs> but, but, but music, but <laughs> music, music, music has truly never let me down ever. Yeah. It's always been there. It's never turned its back on me and every gift and every blessing that I continue to have in my life uh, uh, is for a number of reasons. But music, music is that constant. Right now, you know, man, that brings another one. Right. So that makes me think about record companies because record companies know this. And you have some record companies, which are unfortunately a lot of them. Not all of them, thank God, but a lot of record companies, because they know this, they make it hard for the artist to own their music and control their music or their own music and get paid all of the money from their own music because they want to control the the magic that makes the solution for the world's problems. And, um, you know, I just found out about this clause, man, where... You know, a lot of these record companies, they don't want the artists to know about it, man. But after about 35 years, if the artist is still around, they, they get a five-year window to get all their music back, their music rights back, man. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, so you can get all your music rights back. And, and, and labels don't like that. <laughs> no, labels don't like that, man. They'll try to pay the artist out. They'll try to pay the artist uh, a, lo- a big lump sum of money just to buy them out, right? But I always advise all artists, man, make sure you don't do that. Make sure you take advantage of that five-year window that the record companies don't want you to know about so you can own your own masters and make all your own money because the record, a lot of record companies will make sure that you don't make the money that you're worth. Mm-hmm. Well, they it's always the uh, bottom line numbers game with uh, with labels. It's like any other business. Uh, and, and, and those uh, people... Uh, they weren't the ones uh, uh, sitting in their bedroom listening to their parents argue downstairs and and, and, and bringing that art forth. Uh, you know, the, the artist was you were uh, and, and and you gave a, a, a tangible, uh, quote unquote, product to them uh, to sell that. Uh, they, yeah, this is a this is a universal, <laughs> universal problem with artists and labels, man. It's yeah. it's, uh, it, it's Lone Shark 101 on the highest, highest level. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Insane. Yeah, no shit, really. But um, hey, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here in a second. I just uh, okay. I, I want to thank you for for your time. I want to thank you for your contribution uh, to music, uh, your your insight uh, uh, for being a friend uh, to, to less than Jake uh, all these years when we got to, to got to meet you on the Warp tour. Yeah. Uh, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about any any projects going on? I know that you were just in the studio with Fishbone. I believe Fat Mike's producing a new record. Is that true? Correct? Yeah, Fat Mike's producing. Uh, he's producing some Fishbone music. Awesome. Awesome. How's, yeah, so how, how, how's things sounding? It's sounding good, man. I'm happy about it. I, I can't wait for us to put something out. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, so as far as brand new step, the salads, any, any other uh, projects, Angela Moore related, you'd like to like to plug to, uh, for the listeners. So there's a new video I got out from the brand new step called Los Angeles. Okay. And that's a new one that's out right now. I also have uh, another video I put out called car dodging pigeon. Okay. It's about a pigeon, the pigeons that dodge the cars when the cars are making a left at the roundabout or an intersection, right? So you can see the car dodging pigeon on YouTube. All right. Also, uh, my last two videos, which I'm really proud of, was collaboration with Joe Horn. uh, And it's called, one's called Doing the Monkey for the Hunky. And you can see that on YouTube. And another one is called Home Free. and, and, And Doing the Monkey for the Hunky is about racism, uh, in the corporate workplace and home free is about uh the vigilante who robbed from the rich and gives to the poor and the homeless i also got also have a patreon site i have patreon subscribers so if they if they, anybody out there who's listening wants to be a subscriber of of, of my, my patreon subscriber got to go to p-a-t-r-e-o-n front slash angelo Moore and be a subscriber and you can hear all of my my story time theater my interviews of different people i just recently did an interview with hr and and i'm featuring his album i did an interview with durga mcbroom which is like a techno house diva uh legend uh lonnie marshall from weapon of choice Boss Skank, which is one of the uh, Los Angeles original reggae bands. Uh, hypnotherapist Marilyn Negro. I feature her sometime on my show. 
And um, I got different stories, man. Where it, oh, and Tales of the Road. I talk about my different stories when I'm on tour. The last one I put out was about Hate. And Hate was a band that I did with Flea, John Fashante, and Nikki Beat. And we played punk rock covers, man. It was back in the 80s. And I read about that in Flea's book. <laughs> oh really oh okay yeah i read his yeah. book yeah he talked about that um and i i must say i i i have to plug this that uh you know if you would have told me as a kid when i was uh watching fishbone on uh on 120 minutes back in the day watching uh, fishbone videos or the first time i saw you guys that uh, i would actually be uh, collaborating and singing on a track with you i would have told people they were crazy but angelo and i recently uh performed a rendition together of operation uh, ivy's unity uh there's Oh shit! That was, okay. Which one were you playing? Were you on the guitar? Uh, yes, sir. That was that was me on the guitar. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, because Darren from Goldfinger, right? Yeah, well, that that's who initially hit me up, and he and he said, "Hey, I want you to sing on this track with with Angelo, uh, a cover of Operation Ivy." And I said, "I'd love to." And then a couple days later, we're talking. He's like, "Hey, can you get your your song?" I said, "Yeah." I go, I go, "What's up with Angelo?" He's like. Oh, well, um, he's not confirmed. We're going to try to get him. I said, dude, you told me he was confirmed. That's why I agreed to fucking do this. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then he, he texts me back next, next day. He's like, yeah, we, we got Angela. We, we got him in. We got him in. I said, okay, cool. I was going to do it anyways. But uh, anyways, there's a fella out of uh, Toronto uh, in a band called the Fairmounts. His name is Mikey. He does this thing called Mikey and his uke. He plays ukulele covers of punk rock songs. So uh-huh. you, can, you can go search it on YouTube. It's Mikey and his uke. Uh, it's a uh, unity. It's uh, Angelo and I, Darren, uh, uh, formerly a Goldfinger on drums. Um, yeah. We got Ben, Ben from Big D and the Kids Table on bass. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, a couple other folks, and it's it was a, it was a lot of fun. Right on. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. I, I it was a pleasure talking to you, and I, I can't wait to, uh, to to hear the new Fishbone record with Mike. I'm excited. Yeah, man, it's gonna be a good one. It's All right, be, I'm happy with the way it's turning out. Awesome, Angel. Yeah, and send, and uh, send me that picture. Email that to me if you can. Oh, yeah, I sure will. Okay, man, I'll put it on your text thread. Okay, that's fine. Thank you so much, bud. I'll talk to you. All right, take care, brother. Yep, see Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast yeah as we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. 
Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know, uh, where each week I will preview a select band of my choice, tell you a little bit about the band, where they're from, where to find their music, and how to find them on social media. Uh, it's simple, really. If you'd like your band to be previewed on Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. Again, that's bandyoumightnotknow, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, all I ask for is a good quality recording of a song that you feel best represents your band. This week's featured band is the Great Heights Band from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, Eric Taft on guitar and vocals, Neil Carcanis on guitar and vocals, Owen Brinzer on bass guitar, and Paul Martinez on drums. These guys have shared the stage with Less Than Jake at a few shows in the past, and uh, Eric Taft recently mixed our Lost at Home sessions that we did, which he absolutely knocked out of the park. Uh, thanks a lot, Eric. Uh, you can find them on Instagram at the Great Heights Band, and you can find this song on their Bandcamp page. Here's a clip of their song, Bully with a Bat. and Chris. All right, man. Well, another great episode. It was very cool to have a legend like Angelo Moore be our guest today. And uh, one thing that I was definitely thinking while listening to Angelo and yourself talk about music is the fact that Less Than Jake and Fishbone and all of Angelo's projects, but Fishbone comes to mind with this, is the fact that you guys both write songs that lyrically have very deep and important meaning, but then from the standpoint of the listener, the music just makes you want to get up and dance and party. So it's it's this really cool yin and yang uh, of uh, of insight and and deep meaning with music that makes you feel good. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. You know, we uh, a lot of times the lyrics in Less Than Jake songs will will, will get lost <laughs> in in the in the fun of the song. You know, it'll be like. I don't know. Uh, we've we've always taken pride uh, in, in the lyrical aspect, and uh, you know, having those serious, deep undertones of, of a lyric will sometimes get lost in this just danceable, crazy anthem. You know, uh, that is is fun and danceable, and and um, you know, we've gotten lumped in a lot of times, uh, whether unfairly or not, with uh, you know, just like the the wacky ska bands that came out in the. In the, in the 90s that were just all jokey and corny lyrics, which that's cool. And, and we've definitely written some jokey and, and corny songs um, and they can be fun. But, um, you know, a lot of our songs do do have deep meaning that uh, and that's why people love them uh, and why people love Fishbone and, and Angelo. They can they can go to the show. They can listen to the songs and, um, you know, they can feel the meaning of the songs, but they can get lost in it. They can they can forget their problems uh, and, uh, and, and really just get into the, you know, what, what the music's doing them, uh, to them on an energy level. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's, I honestly, it's awesome that less than Jake and fishbone have these, uh, awesome lyrics, uh, that when you open that lyric book and you can, and you read it and you see what it's about, you're like, Oh my God, it, it kind of blows your mind when you get past that initial stage of like, Oh, this sounds good to my ears. and makes me want to move, but that doesn't take anything away from songs where like, like you brought up. Yeah. Lesson Jake has some songs that are just fun songs, you know? Uh, but if a song makes you feel good, regardless of if it has some deep meaning in the lyrics, 
that could be just as important as a song that does have deep and important lyrics because it's all about the way that song makes you feel. It's, it's amazing how music can make you physically feel different. Sounds can do that to you. Isn't that wild? Oh, it's, it's, well, it's, it's amazing. And that's why, (laughs) that's why people gravitate to music. And if you're a music lover, you know exactly what what we're talking about when when we say this. And the reason I was thinking of this was, you know, when I I first heard this track, the pendulum swings that Angelo uh, and I discussed today, you know, it was just kind of like, wow, I, I didn't really listen to the lyrics on the first or second pass. I just wanted to hear the song. And I'm like, wow, man, this is just kind of like an extension or something I could see Fishbone doing. Uh, uh, highly danceable, catchy, upbeat. And then I started zoning in on the lyrics. And, and, and of course, he talked about it uh, uh, in the episode. And it was just, uh, wow, it's got, got a lot of imagery with the halos and the nooses and uh, you know, discussing racism and, and calling things as they are. Um, and, and you, I'm just kind of dumbfounded at how such a serious lyric could be so fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, dude. Another thing I was thinking about uh, during this episode is, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you. This happens to me on stage, like probably once every five shows I'll be up there and I get in my own world. A lot of time my eyes are closed and I'm rocking out and I'm, I'm just so into the music. And then I, then my mind starts drifting and I start thinking about the fact that, I am up here playing this wooden stringed instrument in front of hundreds of people and I'm doing a little dance while I'm doing it and people paid money to see me do this. And then I just start thinking about how weird that is Uh, and it kind of freaks me out a little bit every once in a while. But then when you're talking to Angelo about going to see Fishbone and I, I mean, I haven't seen Fishbone live before, but just your description of Angelo, who, who, you know, obviously I've seen music videos and, and, and then hearing him talk, just picturing him, uh, jumping off the stage with his sax and play and, and, and crowd surfing and, and playing a sax and getting back on the stage without missing a note. Like, that's amazing. Like, of course I want to pay to see people play live music. What is better than that? You know, especially when you, when you have an energetic performer up there. So, oh, I mean, uh, they, they're to this day, top five live bands I've ever seen. I mean, and them in their heyday, they were untouchable. Um, you know, I saw them in Gainesville, Florida around 91 or 92. Uh, and like I said, Angelo's just up there. I mean, he was running a marathon for an hour back and forth across the stage. It was like a, a soccer player on, on steroids. And, and all of a sudden he's like in the middle of a sax solo and he takes off at the drum riser and just dives out stage dive. Now he's on his back, still playing the sax with a, with a wireless uh, microphone attached to the sax. Uh, st- didn't miss a note, and the, the crowd gets him back on the stage, and he continues to. I mean, just go completely nuts. Right. <laughs> it was un, <laughs> unreal. Nice. So, yeah, you know, when I saw that as an impressionable 18-year-old, I was like, I want to do that. Whether I get paid for it or not, <laughs> I want to be that. I want to do that. It was My mind was blown. I will never... Uh, never forget that. And like I said, to this day, top five live bands I've ever seen in my life, Fishbone. Uh, absolutely amazing. And uh, again, I want to thank Angelo uh, for taking the time to be on this show. It was uh, it was uh, such an honor for me to be able to talk to him and, and share his experiences uh, and everything in between. Um, want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Uh, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for telling your friends about Krista Makes a Podcast. If you can, um, please uh, uh, join the Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group. 
Uh, and uh, if you'd like a custom song written by myself and animation uh, done by Chris, uh, we now offer that uh, for your business. Uh, uh, we'll do jingles. We'll, we'll put it to animation uh, for your live band video, for your family, etc., etc. Uh, please get in touch uh, at, for more information on that at ChrisDemakes at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to ChrisDemakes.com. That'll redirect you to the YouTube page if you'd like to see our work on there and uh yeah until next week we'll see you then with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps) no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others. Photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy. And I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com and I'll see you there.